Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Wednesday, July 7th here in New York City. Hope everyone is doing well and enjoyed game one of the NBA Finals last night. That's what we're going to talk about today. A lot going on, a lot to break down, a lot to talk about as game one. There was a lot of things that, that came up. Interesting strategy fronts on on the court, and then some other things, sort of the the peripheries of the series, or or things not necessarily on the periphery, but just for the whole series as itself. If if these things happen or, or go a different way, the the whole course of the series would would be different. So so the first thing that we were going to talk about is first and foremost, the Suns were victorious last night. They were the home team in front of a really loud, raucous crowd. First time they were in the final since 1993 when they lost to the Michael Jordan Bulls. They took game one, 118 to 105. They led pretty much throughout the entire game. Wasn't wire to wire, but a confident, solid, good victory for the Phoenix Suns. They win, but the biggest storyline coming into and out of game one is that Giannis is back. Giannis looked healthy to start the game because he started the day doubtful then moved up to questionable around the time we record yesterday he did his pregame workout they determined he was healthy enough to play and healthy enough to start and they made a statement either for Giannis himself to prove that he was healthy and back or a statement to Phoenix saying he's 100 as you know he's 100 and he's back but on the first session of the game Brooke Lopez wins the tap they run a pick-and-roll action, get Giannis rolling to the basket, and they throw him a lob where he goes up, tries to dunk it, gets fouled, and goes right to the free-throw line. That was a sign to me. First play of the game, Giannis, Giannis looked pretty healthy on that one, and, and he had a bunch of different plays throughout the game that were just typical, unbelievable Giannis plays. I just One jumps out where he was on the left mid-post. He does his little dribbles with the left hand, drives baseline, and just goes right into Aiton and knocks Aiton, who's huge, seven feet tall too, very strong, and just knocks him back two, three feet, goes up, dunks it with two hands. Just those types of plays, it's just we have to keep reminding ourselves of just how amazing those those types of plays are because not many guys in the NBA can can do that, and just the strength that Giannis has. He, he ended the game with 20 points and 17 rebounds, seven for 12 from the free throw line. He looked back. And pretty healthy. Now, there are things that we're going to talk about that the Bucks could do better. Obviously, they lost. It wasn't a perfect game. But going forward in, in this series, just the fact that Giannis looks healthy, played 35 minutes. You know, we'll see how he, you know, a lot will see how, how, how does he feel today. The rehab treatment will continue. How does he look in game two? But if you're a Bucks fan, there's even though you lost, there's a lot to be optimistic about going forward. But we're going to dive into the game itself right now. Because there were two main things in the game last night that really turned the tide in the Suns' favor. The first is the the pick and roll battle between between the two teams. Because we talked about this beforehand, Chris Paul, one of the best pick and roll players in the NBA, he is a terrific mid range jump shooter, which is a shot now that a lot of teams are trying to force, try to force guys into the mid-range, try to get a late contest on it. But the idea is that over the in, in the long run, those types of mid-range shots will be less valuable than a three-point shot, a layup, or a foul. 
So the Bucks traditionally all season long have played this drop coverage with Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, one of the best rim protectors in the NBA, seven feet tall, long arms, very, very good shot blocker, shot challenger. The idea with the drop coverage is to sort of encourage the ball handler coming off the screen to either take a mid-range jump shot, which is the shot that for a lot of guys you want them to take, floaters over Lopez or, or try to finish around Brooke Lopez. And it works out for Milwaukee really well in some matchups because Lopez is a terrific shot blocker. But in this matchup, particularly when you have Chris Paul and you have Devin Booker, these are dynamic, best of the best in the NBA, pick and roll players, pick and roll scores, and especially they're both very, very good in the mid-range with jump shots. And so the, what was interesting is the Bucks typically come out in, in their base defensive set, which with which is with Lopez starting, it's them in that drop coverage in the pick and roll. Last night, what was interesting is that they started the game switching. They started the game switching those screens up top, which I thought was really interesting because it's one, they almost preemptively went with an, an adjustment from, from their base set. And what was interesting is Lopez was then being forced to guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker one-on-one on the perimeter. Now, anybody can tell you that those that, that in the long run, that matchup is going to work out better for Phoenix, right? Booker and Paul can create off the dribble, can score around Lopez. Lopez is much, much better. He's one of the best in the league at protecting the rim. Naturally, he's not one of the best at guarding elite all-star guards on the perimeter. But what it would end up happening sometimes is the ball would slow down. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker would almost dribble the ball out, take a few extra dribbles, and attack one-on-one. And when you watch the Suns play this whole season, this whole postseason, one of their huge advantages as a team is the way that they share the ball, the way that they pass, the way that they that, that they can play unselfishly and drive and kick for threes, and they're always making the extra pass. I think about the Denver series a lot of just the way that they move the ball to just get really good open shots. And what would by switching, it's almost you're tricking or you're trying to trick the Suns into playing ISO heavy basketball. And the Bucks, it seemed like even if Lopez was going to get uh, scored on by Booker and Paul, that that was better to them as a strategy because that's not what the Suns want to do. That's not exactly how they want to play the entire game. Now, late in the game, you need those guys to get you a good shot. Okay. But starting first, second quarter, making the Suns go super, super, not super, super, but encouraging them in a way to attack individual matchups instead of playing together as a team, I thought was an interesting strategy because when you look at the Suns, they have a lot of great shooters. Eaton. Very productive player down low, understanding his role. Well, one way to take those guys away and limit their offensive impact is if they don't get the ball. And one of the ways that you don't let them get the ball is you almost keep the ball in the hands of Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. And by pu- you know by putting this switch defense on, Booker and Paul felt like they always had an advantageous matchup, so they may have settled or taking a few more extra shots that instead, if the Bucks were playing a different way and the Suns were playing, you know, their 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 base style of offense, maybe 
maybe other guys would have taken more three-pointers. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Bridges, two for four from three. Crowder, 0 for five. Johnson only got four up. Um, Not saying that they didn't move the ball, but by going into that ISO strategy, I think it was a way to try to take those guys away in effect, even if Paul and Booker were going to score a lot of points. The other thing is, too, is that Chris Paul doesn't generally like to play the style where he's taking 20 shots and scoring 30-plus points. He's more of a guy who is a traditional point guard who wants to get everybody involved. He wants to score, but when he has an advantageous shot matchup, he's he's not going to be gunning for his shots all the time, right? He's not like a Steph Curry type who can put up 35 shots and score 65 points if, if that's what his team needs. Chris Paul traditionally is around, you know, 12 to 15, 16 shots a game by trying to get him to take more than that and be more aggressive. You know, he was shooting the ball really well last night, but over the course of the series, maybe that's what the Bucks were trying to do. But what then was interesting was that then they switched in the second half to, to more of a drop coverage, which once those guys were going in the first half, it was almost didn't really matter what they played because they were both shooting the ball really well. And you could tell by how many t- mid-range jump shots that they made where the ball hit the rim, backboard and in, or rim twice and in and bounced around and went in. The Suns had a good shooting night from the mid-range because they're really good mid-range shooters. But I think the Bucks are going to bet that over the course of, of the long run in this series that that may turn to their advantage. And then the other thing was in this in, in game one was the free throw advantage for Phoenix was huge. Phoenix was 25 for 26 from the free throw line. They had six different players get to the free throw line. The Bucks, on the other hand, were nine for 16 and only had three guys take free throws. The Bucks have a size advantage in this series. But if you don't use your size and be super aggressive going to the basket the way that Phoenix was at times with DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, um, Chris Paul, if you're not driving to the basket and being super aggressive, it's harder to draw foul calls and, and getting to the free throw line. As the final score was was 13 points, 118-105, the Suns made 25 free throws, the Bucks made nine. That's sort of the difference right there in the ballgame. So if you're a Suns fan, be super pumped. It's a it's a race to four. You got the first one. There are parts that the Bucks really struggled with because there is no great answer with with the pick and roll. I'm just trying to hypothesize on why the Bucks were trying to why I think the Bucks were trying to do what they were doing, but it's that ultimate the reason why it's so difficult is Chris Paul and Devin Booker are so good in the pick and roll at one, either scoring for themselves or creating for others, that it's almost like you just have to choose which one you prefer. And last night, the Bucks, because they kept switching it up, never really, it was like those guys can do both, right? So instead of just playing that that one way and try to just say, okay, you're just going to do this instead of this, you're just going to score and not pass, or you're just going to have to pass to everyone and, and not score. Um. But it's a it's a pick your poison because Booker and Chris Paul are both extremely extremely dangerous in pick and roll offense. So going forward for adjustments for for game two, we're gonna start adjustments wise for, for for the Bucks. The biggest thing that they just should be happy about is Giannis will probably get healthier. He'll probably get a little bit better with the treatment, and he got his rust off. He got back into shape last night got got the little rust off 
him going into game two, instead of holding him out game one and having him in game two, maybe down 1-0, trying to get the rust off. Now rust is off down 1-0. If he's healthier and more aggressive, that will be, that's the biggest adjustment they can make besides, you know, make more shots, right? Because there is a really interesting part of, of the game where in the third quarter, like the Bucks just seemingly forgot he was on the court, just didn't get him the ball at all, settling for jumper after jumper. And it was like, guys, Giannis is on the team. Giannis has this huge advantage. Get 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 Giannis the ball, drive him to the basket. The, the, the Suns can't stop him. And it got to a point where Giannis just grabbed a defense rebound and just said, you guys are passing to me. I'm just taking the ball right up the court, and I'm just going to go right to the rim. And he drew a foul. So that was super weird. Like the Bucks do some of these things, but just getting Giannis healthier and more involved in in the offense is probably the number one adjustment that that they can make. You know, he needs to take more than eleven shots. He needs to take more than eleven shots. The other thing is the the Suns started defensively really interesting. They put Aiden on Giannis and Crowder on Lopez. Well, Lopez has a huge size advantage on Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is about 6'7". Lopez is 7 feet, maybe 7 foot 1. Use Lopez in the post the way that you guys were, or, or, the, or the way that they were against Atlanta. And they did that early on. Because Lopez has a huge advantage there. He's one of the best low post scorers when he was with the Nets. He still has those skills. Him taking 14 shots, no problem with. Him taking five three-pointers and only two free throws, I have a bit of a problem with if if, if I'm the Bucks, is I would rather have him take seven free throws and three and and two threes instead of the other way around because then you get guys in foul trouble. Dario Saric, who's basically the Suns' backup center, he got hurt, looked pretty serious. So the more that you can attack the rim and get the, these Suns in foul trouble because they don't have great size. So for the Bucks, you have to use your size, use Lopez, use Portis, use Giannis down low, and attack the rim. Attack the rim. They should. You guys should be. They should be attacking the rim so much that the Suns are in foul trouble, and that the the and that the and that and if they're not, you have a legitimate gripe with the referees that they're not calling enough fouls. Attack the rim. Attack the rim. And the other thing is just they have to decide how they're going to play the 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 pick and roll. Are they dropping? Are they switching? And if you are switching, you don't need to switch everything so easily. Not every single little fake screen that Cameron Payne comes up and sets or someone has to be an immediate switch. There are ways, if people are hunting matchups, to make switches more difficult. The NBA game, there's a 24-second shot clock. That's really, really, really fast. So if you think about it, it's 24 seconds, but... Really, it's, let's say, 18 from when the ball is in the half court and you initiate something. Well, to call the guy up to screen, that's probably another two or three seconds. You don't just need to switch and let the ball handler, whether it's Chris Paul, Devin Booker, have 12, 13 seconds to just decide what to do. That's way too much time. What you can do, and the Miami Heat did this really, really well last year in the finals, and the Warriors got really good at it with with Steph Curry uh, against LeBron, is... When you would watch Miami last year, whether it was Tyler Hero, Drogic, Robinson, uh, the Warriors, whether it was Curry or um, Jordan Bell, whoever it was, if your man is coming up instead of screen, you don't just need to switch. You can sort of hard hedge and just wait there until your guy gets back while kind of holding on. It's almost like a momentary trap or you're just trying to stop the ball and 
make it more difficult so that if the switch does eventually happen, like the goal, you know, should be you're forcing a rescreen. You're trying to force that screen to happen longer so that either they have to set it twice, maybe even three times. But the but the goal is to get the guy with the ball who wants to isolate on an advantageous matchup, make him start his move with six or seven seconds left on the shot clock and not 12 or 13 because it's just way less time to make decision, way less time for extra passes, rolls, all that type of stuff. That's sort of just, I think that's the way to go. And it'll be interesting to see if they, if they can do it. But try to make the the pick and rolls a little more difficult. Don't just give it on switches and, and, and make it, hey, if you're going to hunt matchups, you're going to slow down your entire offense. You're, it, like if you're going to hunt matchups, it's going to be iso ball. It's going to be the guy with the ball and four guys watching. And that's not really how the Suns like to play. So if, if the Bucks can make it a little more difficult in, in the pick and roll, I think that's one of the key adjustments for, for game two. Now, if you're the Suns, and the response is keep moving the ball. Keep moving the ball. Just move it, move it, move it. Because you have that advantage as a team. It's always harder to beat a team than just one player. And you have a lot of willing passers. DeAndre Ayton, exceptional again. 22 points, 19 rebounds. When he rolls to the rim, you have a size advantage, especially if Lopez is out on the perimeter. They did a really good job in game one of, of getting him the ball down low. Keep throwing it down, down there. He's a good free throw shooter, six for six from the line, good finisher. Keep having faith in, in Aiton. Crowder, yeah, he was 0 for 8. What, what's an adjustment for game two? Have him make shots? Yeah, of course. But keep trusting him. Keep moving the ball because those shots will eventually go in. He, by the way, did a good job on the glass. Nine defensive rebounds. Forced a couple turnovers on Giannis. Keep trusting Bridges. Keep trusting Johnson. Those types of guys. Just keep moving the ball and attacking because the Bucks. you know, you want to make them play defense. And that's that's how you play. So don't you don't want to let the Bucks dictate how you play. You want to sort of pl- try to keep playing your style. And defensively, the Bucks are extremely prone to these periods of time during the game where they just stop the ball and start taking these really bad shots and many times really bad jump shots. A lot of dribbles, no passes into these really bad jumpers. And the Suns went a little zone in game one. Clearly, they didn't want to show too much of their hand, but it worked. Now, there was one or two plays where they just forgot that Giannis was standing right in the middle and Giannis got a dunk or a foul for a couple of free throws, but... The more that you can kind of trick or try to trick the Bucks into not passing and having Holiday and Middleton settle for those really long jumpers. And look, you're going to have to live with a couple tough ones Middleton makes. That That's what he does. He's a shot maker. Holiday will eventually make a couple like he did against Brooklyn. But the more that you can have those guys not pass, and especially not pass to Giannis and to the guys inside and stay on, and stay on the perimeter, that's an advantage for the Suns. So I would be interested to see how much more zone they play in game two, or maybe I'm too early and that's going to be a game three type adjustment. If they, if, if, if the Bucks win game two, maybe that will be a, a game three adjustment for them. But I think that their two, three zone could be really, really interesting going forward because and the Bucks haven't really been zoned that much this postseason because just again, just trying, just trying to get them to play more ISO heavy and, and not pass the ball, especially to Giannis down low, because Giannis is the ultimate uh, mismatch in this series, as everything that the Suns do defensively is built around how do we slow down Giannis. And 
the healthier he gets, it's it's going to be a challenge because he's the two-time MVP. And I'm just pumped. This is going to be a great series. You know, if you tell, I'm super excited. Game one was really good. The coaching battle, elite players all over the court with obviously Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, Booker, Paul, Aiton. This is this is a great finals. It's looking for a great matchup, and it's great as you could just see the passion and intensity from the Phoenix fans. They've never won a championship. First time in the finals since 1993. The Bucks haven't been to the finals in like 50 years. Haven't won a title in in 50 some odd years. I'm excited to see what the crowd is like in the Bucks arena because they call it the Deer District outside the stadium. That was absolutely packed last night. Um, it's just it's just exciting. You have these two really really passionate fan base, and we're gonna get to crown a, either a first time champion or a first in a really 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 long time champion, and the first title for either Chris Paul or Giannis, who both are all time greats in in the game of basketball. So I'm pumped for Game Two. Game Two Thursday night ABC. Really excited to see uh, what happens, how Giannis looks, how the Suns look, and just you know, what these teams try to do, because I think this is going to be a really fun and really long series. So that'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.